time. It's time. So get your popcorn ready. It will be political. Political. It will be biblical. Biblical. We must stay vigilant. We must remain watchful. So sit back and put your feet up because you're about to learn to discern the truth. Welcome to the Watchmen. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Watchmen Podcast. My name is Casey, so good to be back with you guys today. Today is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Uh, so good to be back with everybody. We've got Jesse here again. Um, oh, hello. For the show, I want to remind everybody before we get into our conversation today to like, share, and subscribe. Um, and if you're on Spotify listening, click the bell. It'll mo- notify you every time I put out a new episode. Um where to find me and where to find Jesse and her information about her ministry will be in the description box below. So I encourage everybody to go down there uh, where you can support whatever, you know, just to get more information. Um, and also, um, yeah, so no, go down there. I'll have all the information. I've updated Jesse's information um, for her shows that she's on and things that she has and websites as well as she has an event coming up and I'm going to go ahead and let her uh, talk to you guys about that and remind you guys, if you can get to that event, uh, definitely check it out. There's going to be some great uh, speakers there. Jesse, if you don't mind, you want to go ahead and touch on that. How are you this morning? First of all, yeah, <laughs> doing, doing really well. And I'm really excited for that event. And um, I was just going to bring it up quick so I can um, let you guys know some of the speakers and stuff who are going to be there, but it's really going to be a dynamic event and um as they pull everything together you know they're bringing in uh several individuals who are very prominent speakers especially for things that are currently happening right now uh so it's called the eyes wide open event and that's going to be in mount pleasant and you can you know go to my website and uh get registered for that or um you know, on my website, I'll just have a link to their site, which is the www.elmastery.org backslash EWO for Eyes Wide Open. Uh, you know, so Kathy O'Brien's going to be there uh, speaking about MK MKUltra. Um, they've got uh, Dr. Brian Artis, who's been big on the scene about, you know, current things since 2020 going on. You got Dr. Edward Group and Judy Mikovitz. Uh, Dr. Judy Mikovitz is another big, you know, individual. Uh, Todd Callender, Michael McKibben, and Dr. Richard Orley. And, um, you know, I think that I'm just going to have um, my books there and stuff, but I think that I'm praying stuff will be timely. And as long as things are timely with the publisher, I'll have my brand new book, uh, Foundations of Kingdom Living. I'll be releasing it there at that event. So um, I encourage everybody to come and uh, let me know if you plan to come. And, you know, I love to get to meet people and uh, connect and going to be, I think it will be two days that are really packed with a lot of information, you know, bring notebooks, bring pens, because you've got all these powerhouse speakers there, but it's going to be a great event. That's awesome. So yes, if you can go get there and and be there. Uh, So one more thing that I want to touch on before we get into everything is I have to say this, and I'm only going to do it this one time. There's a lady that's been going around posting all these comments on my, um, 
my podcast page, slandering, saying some of the most disgusting, vile, hurtful, I mean, whatever they can do to say that's not true on my page. And I want to address it. These people have accused me of horrific things going back to last year, none of which are true. They try to throw mud against the wall and hope it sticks. And um, you have to judge it for yourself. Listen, she says that I, I'm I think not- that's all that you need to say is that they're saying, you know, they're making false statements with intent to paint you in a false light and to threaten, harass, to stalk, and to, you know, impact your livelihood, which everybody has a right to. And, um, you know, yep. I think people need to be aware of that. It is. And it's not against the First Amendment. Nowhere does it say that you're allowed, that you have to be slandered and take it. And, you know, you have to leave it up on your page because it's a, listen, I know about First Amendment rights. I was in uh, Washington, D.C. on January 6th. I spent three years in a court battle over First Amendment rights. So I don't need to be um, versed on that. If you don't want to believe that I had anything to do with Jan 6, I mean, that's like I said, you want to believe what you want to believe. Most people that listen to this know me or have known me since I was a child. And, uh, and you know, like Jesse said, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that because it's ridiculous and it's, a, it's an obsession. And what's funny is they never have time, as they say, no, we don't have time for this. We don't have time to listen to these things anymore. But yet that's all they do with their time. All they do with their time. I mean, I don't see how you have the time in the day to do these type of things. So, well, this is in my Congress, my petition to Congress that there are, you know, a group of a web of harassers. It's the same individuals that have been attacking Timothy Charles Holmseth, Randy Lynn Erickson, Alex Kukanaskis, you know, and myself. And, you know, in that petition to Congress, you know, I show that they, you know, continue to, um, follow all every place where we go, you know, they continue to put up comments and harassments and uh, try to lure people into private conversations so that they can give them their supposed proofs and evidences against us. Um, that includes fake arrest warrants, fake dossiers. Um, you know, they want to uh, claim that we're engaged in some sort of criminal activity which is a false statement. And, you know, that's clearly outlined in my petitions to Congress, including, you know, who, who's in charge, who is running these webs and um, how extensive are they? So, um, you know, I encourage people to go to timothycharlesholmesuth.com, type in uh, Congress petition, and you'll see two of them that will come up. I encourage you to read those. Um, you know, it shows too how they've targeted every um, platform that has, you know, that we have tried to speak and share our testimonies on. Um, and, you know, we show how the they've organized and coordinated themselves and what the uh, forms of attacks that they're using look like. So I encourage people to look at that. Um, there's a lot of information on there. Um, on timothycharlesholmesuth.com, and he's clearly outlined a lot of this attack and who's behind it. So, And I will also say, if you have, for whatever reason, don't want to give to, towards supporting my podcast or anything with me, I have no issue with that whatsoever. I'm not holding anybody's arm behind their back. 
as well as if, if these people, and I'll just say this lastly, knew anything about probation, you are required to have a job. That's all I'm going to say. So, and it isn't podcasting. Okay. So I'm going to leave it at that. And, uh, in all honesty, I pray for these people because the Bible tells us to, and that's what my prayer is. I pray. And yeah. in fact, I pray God bless them exceedingly abundantly above anything they could ever ask or think. I pray God that he bless them. I pray anything good happen in their lives. I pray they have a Paul moment where maybe Jesus appears in front of them. I don't know. They think I'm of, I've chosen Satan. I'm of the occult. I guess I don't know about it, but <laughs> anyways, uh, I think the clear statement is that neither of us have chosen Satan nor Lucifer nor the occult. And that's who we've been adamantly speaking out against. And if they have not caught that in all that we've said, you know, we just pray for the Lord to open their eyes and their ears that they may hear and see. And, you know, I'm with you on that. That's been my heart's cry too, is that, you know, all of us, we all have struggles, we all have challenges, we all have things in our lives that we face. Every day we're in the we're in a need for a savior. And the only person who can help us through our lives and our situations is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you know, my prayer has certainly not been against people, but that, you know, the Lord and his goodness would continue to bless them and give them what they need, you know. Yeah. And I'm also reminded too in the book of Luke, and I think it's in chapter nine and around verse 50, where Jesus went to the Samaritan village with Peter, James, and John, and they all went there and they rejected him. And then the, Peter says, God, you want us to call down for Jesus? You want us to call down fire from heaven? And he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. So they, yeah. that, that the worst thing you could do that can send you to hell is rejection of Jesus. And they said, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Like Elijah, he said, you don't know what spirit. I didn't come to condemn the world, but to seek and save that's them that are lost. So if that's his job, it's our job too as Christians. So I'm not condemning them. Evidently they think it's, I ask for a chapter and verse on where, where it is that the Bible says to go out and expose everybody. They're not going to find one because there isn't one. And I never got an answer to that. So just be careful what you listen to. I think they're going after the Ephesians 5.11, which happens to also be, you know, particular individual's most favorite verse, but, um, you know, which says expose the deeds of darkness. But the thing is, is that, you know, they're, what they're doing is not exposing deeds of darkness. Like they're, you know, it's outlined in my Congress petition, what they're doing with that and, you know, creating false things, creating um, taking things that are said a certain way and meant one way, but, you know, twisting that, um, you know, stalking people, taking all their pictures, you know, making evil pornographic, you know, means on that, you know, it's like all of that's not God's work. That's not our Lord's work. You know, we know how the Holy spirit works. The Holy spirit works to convict people of their sin to bring them to a place of repentance so that they would confess their sin and turn away from it. Um, But, you know, what they are doing is condemnation, but it's not even for things that people have done wrong. You know, they're creating what they believe is, is wrong and then attacking people with that, you know, so. And that's, that's all I'm going to say. I'm only going to address that this one time, any nasty comments that are left on my podcast they're going to get deleted because it's ridiculous. So with that, 
Jesse, let's talk about some things that are happening this week. Uh, first thing uh, that I want to talk about is President Trump just had a rally a couple days ago, I think it was, in, in Nashville, Tennessee. And he, I think it was at the Nashville one, but he mentioned about uh, saying, he actually said, I'm a proud, considers himself a proud Christian. And he also mentioned that we need to bring Christianity back into the United States, which anybody with common sense knows. I mean, our country was founded on Judeo, I mean, uh, Judeo-Christian principle, and you know we've gotten away from it now to where, you know, we see what what's being taught in our schools these days is has nothing to do with our history. It has to do with, you know, what your sexuality is, what your trans, what your j- chosen gender is, and uh, I thought it was very interesting that he said those things. Uh, do you have anything to say in regards to that, Jesse? I think it, it certainly was not his first time proclaiming his faith. You know, there were. Um, a couple of Christmases ago, he, in his, his speech, basically said, you know, we need a savior. And he said, I'm not that savior. You know, that savior has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. So, you know, he's proclaimed his faith before he's pointed at God as being the one who saves and rescues and delivers us out of the enemy's hand. And, you know, it encouraged me. And I think, you know, it was neat to see him say that. Um, in the midst of all these other, you know, believers that had gathered there, you know, of many different faiths. Uh, we know as, you know, we were, I was watching that people were coming forward speaking that, you know, go to all sorts of different churches and church backgrounds, but they were coming together, you know, in unison so that, um, you know, their voices would be heard. And I think that's great. But I, I believe, you know, I believe when he says that he's a believer that he is. And I see that in his actions. I see that in what he does, you know, that more so than, you know, any other um, political individual or president, um, you know, many of them claim to be Christian, too. But in their deeds and in their words, we see that they were not. You know, it was a form of godliness that they displayed versus, you know, with him, you see, you see him putting himself, you know, his life on the, on hold to be able to stand up for what he, what the Lord has called him to do in this time, in this hour. That's right. And I just pray God that we get to this, we get to see it because we know they're going to pull out the stops coming between now. And uh, November, uh, I mean, I don't even, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I do believe a lot of it is fear-mongering and that they we just hear all these things, but at the same time, we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, so with that, Jesse, I want to uh, transition into, you know, we saw video, I think um, Tim posted it on his, on his uh, I've seen it on there, but I mean, a lot of people posted it on X or Twitter or whatever and uh, it was of the three horses strolling down the street in in London towards uh, Buckingham Palace. Uh, you know, do you have anything that you can add in regards to that? I know. Um, I think it was interesting. There were comments, you know, about it that, um, you know, did it mean more? Um, you know, one individual even was putting out pictures of a tarot card, you know, showing that the white horse represented death. Um, you know, we know that other people were putting out things saying that, you know, only the king rides the white horse. 
So, you know, was there something in the satchel that was on the horse and was that Charles? It's hard to know, you know, if they're not making anything public, we, I don't think we can make assumptions about it, but. And it, it was, was that video, did that come out before the death of Jacob Rothschild or was it dirt? Did it come yeah, out? Yeah, it day? came out. I think it came out that morning earlier than his death. Yeah. So I know you said that you were going to be doing a show. I think it's tomorrow morning um, on Chantel's show about yeah, Jacob. 9, 9 a.m. Eastern on Aquarius Rising Africa. And we were going to talk about um, the Rothschilds and the Royals and all that that was coming out and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I guess there's a couple of possibilities. Did we just have both, you know, King Charles and Jacob Rothschild die? Um, you know, we know that both of those individuals held seats with the Satanic Council. Um, you know, both of them oversaw their quadrant areas. Um, you know, Charles seemed to be the person that took over when uh, Queen Elizabeth, who formerly held that position, um, it actually was when her twin, Lisbeth, passed away. Um, you know, what did we have happening there? We had a dual seat in the Satanic Council. And, and that can happen, you know, where they don't, like, when you have those seats, like, you don't just have one person who sits in it. You have, you know, you have multiple high priests and priestesses or grand high priests and priestesses um, who can sit in that. And the high priests and priestesses can only do it if, you know, like if they're kind of assigned that. So most of the time you'll just see grand high, um, you know, people who formerly have been grand high priests or priestesses who um, are considered councilmen but you can have multiple people sharing that seat within a quadrant and there's certain requirements for you know how many times a year they have to appear and stuff like that and then if there's certain matters you know they'll be called in but um you know so whenever seats become available you know there'll be a a buy-in for that seat uh, to see who's going to take it to represent that family, that area, that quadrant, uh, to you know work with the grand high priests and priestesses and the high priests and priestesses in that area. Um, so we'll see if some of these grand high priests are going to be stepping up into that position. Um, you know, it will it be somebody from his family line. Um, it very well could be. Might some some say David. I think what David Mayer de Rothschild was in line. Is that right? Or the finances. So you've got different things. Like you know, they do. You do have the family trusts that are overseen. So you know, plus then you have their personal family trust. So is it just that he's going to take over that personal trust, or is he taking over? all the work that his father was doing. Um, I think, I think interestingly enough, we might see somebody else step into that position and uh, that person will, you know, not only be in charge of the trust and the council seat, but they're also going to um, be privy to other system assets that Jacob 
Rothschild oversaw, um, you know, it's, it's kind of comparable to the former Phoenix of the council, George Soros in May, 2021, uh, he stepped down from that seat. And that's when we saw, you know, president Obama take over that council seat as the Phoenix of the council. And with it, he took over all of, uh, Soros's educational funds that he oversaw. So that was like considered a special asset. So would you, so would, I mean, I'm just thinking about this myself. Does that mean this person possibly could be the Pindar? Uh, no, I don't think we'll see that. Okay. Will that yeah. person ever be revealed to us or it would just be one of the things maybe. that we would know? Yeah, maybe we'll see about that. But I think people would really be shocked if they, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know if who they'll have step into that per se, because uh, you have a couple individuals who could contend for it. Um, you, you know, will they just revert um, to whoever's the strongest runner for it, or will they, um, you know, kind of step step into that fight for that position? There's a lot that goes with that that people aren't really aware of all that he saw. Like I've talked about in the past how, you know, um, Jacob Rothschild was one of the individuals that, you know, like as kids, hierarchy children are born into the system at age five, there's different things that they have you go through that um, kind of seal your quantum identifiers. So you know, when we talk about quantum identifiers, we're talking about, you know, your, your breath sound, which is your name, you have your numerical uh, number that represents you, which is going to in the United States is your social security number, you have um, your blood, which is distinct to you, you also have um, your DNA, your fingerprints, and your soul prints, which are the bottom of your feet prints. So those those six things are your quantum identifiers that are unique to you. Um, nobody else has those. And um, as you you know, as you are born in stuff, they begin to you know, want to profit off of your quantum identifiers, off of your soul essence and energy. And they want to buy, sell and trade the rights to you as an individual and as a being that God has created. So how do they do that? You know, one of the ways that they do that is, you know, all the kids in the system will go before the ritual walls and they'll have you put your handprint um, not in your own blood, but in, you know, another person's blood um, up on the walls. And that represents your contract with Baal and Molech um, on those ritual walls. So those are kind of the first, um, you know, contracts that you're making treaties is that, you know, anybody who's in alliance with those demonic principalities then can have the authority to buy, sell, and trade off of, you know, that contract. Um, and it's all about, you know, spiritual alliances. So they can say, hey, hey, like, you know, 
we offered you all these souls. So now, you know, we want this protection or we want, um, you know, this area, this territory, or, or I want this position. So, you know, they'll buy, sell and trade off of that contract. And then, um, you know, the second one is that, you know, the, again, they'll do, um, your handprints and they, you know, would have the children all kind of like, it's looks like an art game where, you know, they have you put paint on your hands and you make a collage with several other children and you'd have elite people who would buy those things that are the first things, you know, that are representative of your, you know, your personage. And, you know, I witnessed those, um, um, art drawings and things being sold at different Frank Lloyd Wright areas. Uh, they would hold auctions and it would look like it was an auction to raise money for schools. Um, but what you had happening was that these elite would purchase those and it gave them rights on the black market. Then uh, Jacob Rothschild was one of the biggest purchasers of those type of things. And, um, you know, many of the high level children that were chosen for end time positions, um, he bought those contracts and uh, had those. So the question is, you know, where do those contracts go? Who do they go to? Um, the good news is who they would revert to, you know, all of that's been laid at the Lord's feet. So, um, you know, spiritually, everything has been put under the feet of Jesus. But the question is, you know, where are the physical contracts and who is going to be overseeing those? It's very interesting. So are you saying that they're still doing buying that stuff or it's already done and those people are already in the position? I, I think that they still to this day buy stuff, but at, you know, the majority of everybody that they had purchased those of are already, you know, in their positions. Are many of these people, people that we've seen already that are in the public eye or a lot of it's people that we have never seen before? Because lately there is, does seem to be a lot of people, especially since 2016 that have come out of nowhere and you can't get any background information on them because I mean, whether they're podcasters, whether they're, I mean, I've done some in-depth research in regards to this. And uh, just some people that, you know, I've, as of 2016, it's like they didn't exist. Yeah, I would say, you know, I would think that the majority are probably not known because um, the face front people are far less than those who are behind the scenes. But Okay. So, you know, from there, I wanted to go towards um, something else I had come across had to do with diamonds. And we've talked about this before. I know you've talked about it before on many other um, platforms and things like that, but I uh, just wanted to go back and maybe touch on a couple things that were interesting, which is um, in the book of revelation. And I'm going to read it first. It's in uh, two nine and it's Jesus it's in red letter. So it's Jesus talking and it says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. And then if you skip over to chapter three, same verse, verse nine, it says there as well. Indeed, I will make those of the 
those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. So, Jesse, tell us a little bit about why diamonds are the largest outsource for the nation of Israel. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it goes back to, you know, that verse where the Lord says that there's those who claim to be Jew but are not. And, you know, what is that really about? Is it really about bloodline per se, you know, that they're pretending to be a bloodline that they're not? Or, you know, in the Old Testament, is it that those basically, you know, who are considered Abraham's seed are those who are circumcised, not just physically, but also of the heart, and that that circumcision represents their you know, them having a true relationship with God versus this form of godliness, uh, which is what the Sadducees and the Pharisees preached. You know, they preached the law, they preached a holiness and a righteousness that was based on the wisdom of men and perfectionism and not on really a relationship with God, which is what it was all about in the beginning you know, was that we have a God who is with us, a God who's near us, and a God who calls us, you know, to be his own. Um, You know, he says, you you know, I am your God, and you are my people. And he fights and contends for us. So you've got that form of godliness. And, you know, on top of that, you know, beyond the false relationship, um, you know, What's behind the form of godliness? You you have people who, you know, are claiming to be serving God, yet here's what, you know, the word says about them in Revelations 18.13. This is one of the Lord's judgments against Israel. You know, it, it's talking about all the things that they import and export. And it says, you know, cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and the bodies and the souls of men. You know, that they're not just profiting off of products, but those products, you know, include um, the bodies and the souls of men, which includes, you know, the Lord even convicts them of sacrificing their own sons and daughters and selling their own sons and daughters um, to make a profit. And, you know, it's not just that they were selling them to be slaves to these other nations. Um, It's the things that are happening, you know, that the other nations are doing that, you know, they're engaged in grotesque sexual things. Um, They're, uh, putting their children on the altar, sacrificing them to, you know, the principalities, particularly Baal and Moloch. Um, you know, so th- that is why the Lord calls them out on it. And it's also interesting too. I mean, just <clears throat> going back to the Bible, when Jesus walks out of the temple one time, and he looks at this child and says that it's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck. And to mess with with one of the and jump into the to, to the water, or the lake, or the ocean, than to mess with one of these. And it's something that I really uh, want people to just really realize that this stuff that 
seems to be, you know, with all the child trafficking coming out with all the human sacrificials. I mean, the SRA, this stuff's been going on since then. That was the whole reason Jesus mentioned it. And who was he talking to? He was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees when he was walking out of the temple because they were there trying to wait and see if he'd slip up on anything. Isn't it funny? Yeah. All these sort of people look and wait, see if we, what are you going to slip up and do? What are you going to slip up and do so we can accuse you? We can accuse you just like Satan does. He's an accuser of the brethren. And it's so interesting because that was 2,000 plus years ago, and it was going on before Jesus even came. I mean, going back to the Old Testament. What about the, the scripture that says, if my people who are called by my name will turn to me and repent, I will heal their land. I mean, just spiritually speaking, what I see that as is no matter what, these people are doing this stuff. It's horrible. It's the most disgusting stuff yeah. they could ever do. But God's sitting there saying, turn to me and repent and I'll heal you. I'll forgive you. Turn to me and repent. I'll heal you. I'll forgive you. And in the New Testament, you think about it. The apostle Paul was killing children. He was killing Christians. That was what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He ended up going blind, getting healed, coming back and preaching the gospel. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about it is in the book of Hebrews, which some say Paul wrote it, some say he didn't, irregardless, it talks about how we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and, and, yeah. and heaven watching us. And it's, I could see it the same thing. They're saying, they're saying, if they can see us living now, don't turn to God. Stop, stop carrying that weight around. I mean, Matthew eleven twenty eight yeah. says, come unto me, those who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you peace. Turn to God, turn to Jesus. Stop leaning on your own understanding. And I believe it's really, you know, and maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like with all this stuff that's come out, all these truths, it's making people more angry than ever before. And we're forgetting. And I always say this, turn to the word of God. It's the only thing that's a hundred percent truth. I and mean, we're all man. Yeah. We're fallible. The Bible says that man, man will fail you every time. Don't look to man, but look to God who, who, who won't, he won't fail us because God doesn't change. There's nothing new coming out. There's nothing new under the sun. We know that in the book of Ecclesiastes, God's never changed. Jesus Christ is a, Jesus Christ. God are one the Bible says in Hebrews that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And we get involved with a lot of this stuff with this new age. And I've heard this the other day. And it's like, you know, you could see this coming that, you know, somebody said, well, I don't understand why the Jews, the Arabs and the Christians all uh, don't come together and realize like we all serve the same God. And, you know, we all need to come together. And, you know, why, why are we all it's fighting? Like we why don't serve the same God. No, we don't, because I don't know, but I don't serve a God that says kill all infidels and, you know, sacrifice. I mean, I've seen. I can say it for both sides. I mean, I lived in Israel. I just watched a video the other day of some kids in a um, ultra orthodox class talking about. Have you ever seen an Arab? Yes, I've seen. And it goes on to the fact to where they said, "What's it going to be like in ten years? The Messiah will have come, and all the Arabs are going to be our slaves." I mean, I don't see a chapter and verse for any of these things. And so right. you have, and then you have the Arabs, and this is true too. I've seen the videos of them down in Gaza teaching their children math and in. In grade school, I mean, we're talking first, second grade when you learn addition and subtraction. If you got three Jews and you kill two Jews, how many Jews do you have left? I mean, so they're taught hatred. And yeah. I'm talking about hatred like none of us understand that level of hatred. We, we're here in the U.S. where we're told to accept any and everybody. I mean, we've got them out in California, a congresswoman saying that we need to accept pedophilia because they're just child lovers. And there's nothing wrong with I mean, this is sick. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. You see how far... Do you think they accept pedophilia? I mean, I know it's engulfed in their the 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 top top, but but for the average thing with homosexuality, they kill you, they'll chop your head off if you're a woman. I mean, I watched a video the other day where somebody stole something. They're still stoned. I mean, this is Sharia law. They stone people to death, to death. And you know, we here in the United States, 
we're just, in my opinion, so distracted by the things that are going on. So what I'm saying all this to say is be careful that, yes, these truths are real. They are, they have been there all along, you know, for whatever reason, this is the time when it was time for them to be revealed, but we still have to understand and realize God's still for these people and God wants them saved and healed and forgiven. It's that simple. That's why Jesus came to the earth. And so uh, I think we should just watch how you know, angry we get towards others. And, uh, because it's not, it's not what we're called to do. And I know that was a lot, yeah. Jess, you probably figure out what's what place to go from there. But if you want to touch on any of that, you go right ahead. I think it, you know, it's true. It's scripture. You know, God talks about judgment and it's a twofold process. You know, what is his heart's desire? It's that we would always come to that place of re- confession and repentance that we would turn back to him and choose to do what's right. Um, You know, but what happens if we don't, you know, then then his judgments will stand and he will be righteous in those judgments because, you know, he's, he's given us that time to turn and repent. So, you know, that's his design for it. And there were things, you know, in scripture, we see that, you know, there are things that the Lord himself hates And four things in particular, he says that because of those four things, you know, he will, his wrath will come. And I outline those four things uh, in one of the chapters of my book, uh, His Kingdom Comes in Power. Um, You know, he says that because of unrepentance, because of unbelief, um, because of um, unrepentance, or did I say that one already? You did, yep. Um, and the, applauding, the last one is the applauding of the wicked. Um, but because of those things, you know, it says that his wrath will come. And what is applauding of the wicked? It's, you know, when we see people engaged in wickedness, um, you know, which wickedness is beyond just sin. You know, we're not just talking about a one-time sin, even though sometimes that one-time event could be considered you know, wickedness. Um, But usually, you know, wickedness is something, it's a hard attitude. It means that, you know, you love that sin and you live in it and you're not, you know, interested in turning away from that. And there was a lot of wickedness that occurred in Israel. One of those things was that, you know, God calls them out during Eli's day. you know, his two sons got called out because, you know, they were priests serving in the house of God. Mm-hmm. Yet what were they doing? They literally, instead of, you know, thanking the Lord for their portion and the things that he had allotted, they literally would steal the meat off of, you know, the sacrifices that were supposed to be for the Lord and completely consumed by fire. Uh, they would take those off and, you know, eat those themselves. They would take the best portions for themselves instead of uh, giving that to the people. Um, You know, on top of uh, there was prostitution in God's house. And, you know, the Lord says, how, how long do I have to watch these things? And you think that I won't, you know, that I'm not paying attention. Um, You know, the Lord is very aware of what's happening in his house and because of the wickedness and applauding the wicked you know, are those that are like, hey, you know, like they encourage people in their wickedness. You know, you deserve that. 
you know, you're doing the right thing, you know, yay for you, come out and, you know, be who you want to be. Don't let other people tell you who you are. Um, All of those things are applauding the wicked. You know, I think that, you know, the push to make pedophilia or to make bestiality, um, you know, an okay thing, that's applauding the wicked. That's exactly right. And you know what else is interesting, too? And I just want I pull up the scripture here. Um, it also says in the book of Proverbs, which you mentioned, most of the things that God hates. And I feel like this is timely for what we discussed at the beginning of this episode. But it says, now listen, set, it says six things and it says no seven that God hates. One of the main, one of the ones here is that says a lying tongue, haughty eyes, hands that shed innocent blood. Think about that, what that's talking about. So hands that shed innocent blood. And in the same passage, what else does it say? A false witness who pours out lies and a man or in one, I don't like this translation, but in one of the translations says a sower of discord among the brethren. This translation says a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. So what is that saying? In that same sentence, I mean, the Bible also says where there's envy and strife, there is every evil work. And then skipping from there, going over to the book of Galatians, if you open up the book of Galatians, and it says in Galatians 6, 1, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should do what? Expose them, talk about them, be bad to them. No, it says you should restore such a one. Even one translation says restore him gently. Gently. Not Not of this like, you know, thrashing, bashing, slandering, you know, the spirit of God's really been speaking to me. We see so much now with, like I said, with all this stuff coming out, there are people slandering other people and it is not good. Pastors, we're seeing people slander all kinds of people, but don't you realize like this has always been the way that it was like people that are gifted by God, Satan's going to attack them much more than he is the average person that's not trying to minister the word of God. Why? Because they have a gift and an anointing on them that evidently is a threat to him. So I really think it's time instead of, you know, attacking at all times that it's more so time to, Hey, if you see, if it's your friend, you know, obviously you can't contact everybody, everything, but you can at least pray somebody send God, God send somebody across their path to help them to be restored. What back to you? What is it? Uh, you know, it's to repent is like to take you back to the pent, like take you back to the top where you're in fellowship and communication with with God. And, and and with that, Jesse, if you don't have anything else to say, I think it's a great time to, to pray and close in prayer. But if you do go right ahead. I do. Yeah. I, you know, just about that restoration. Um, you know, I had some beautiful events in my life in the past where the Lord did restore. Um, one of them, it was complete, you know, miscommunication and actually both times it was miscommunication. And the, the second one, was just so beautifully orchestrated because I didn't know what I had done wrong. I didn't, you know, like it had been a situation with a nurse at the hospital and uh, we had been kind of thrown into an event with like 20 family members of this patient that were pretty volatile and they were particularly volatile towards the nurse and the doctor resident to the point that I got called in to kind of be a mediator between them and the family. And, you know, really like the family wouldn't even allow them to speak. They were just, you know, volatile. 
And so after that meeting, I had gone to the charge nurse and just said, you know, explained like what I had experienced and said, Hey, like, it's not a good idea to have a doctor resident or a nurse talk alone with this family. Like, you know, if, if they need to communicate with the staff, like I, you know, there needs to be a third party mediator there. Um, and so anyway, behind the scenes, the nurse had seen me go to the charge nurse and because of the situation, she just assumed like I was saying bad stuff about her, which I wasn't. And, uh, so later I got called in and, you know, told that she had made a report about me and it was like, but what did I do? Like, I, (laughs) you know, it's like, I didn't do anything bad. And, um, you know, and I had no way to contact her. I had no way to try to resolve the issue, but it really was just on my heart. And I was like, you know, Lord, I'm just asking, I'm going to ask that you will make the opportunity, make a way uh, for restoration in this situation. And that opportunity came three months later, after three months of prayer, um, all of a sudden I ran into her and. Um, I said to her, I said, you know, I am so sorry. Like, I, I don't know what I did, but I'm sorry that I offended and hurt you. And that was not my intent at all. Like I was trying to help you in that situation. And she was like, oh, well, it was when you went to the charge nurse about me. And I was like, oh, I didn't go to the charge nurse about you. I went to her about the situation. And you know, explained how volatile the family was and stuff. And that, you know, really, if that family was going to deal with any staff, they needed to have a third party mediator there. And she was like, Oh, that's what you said. And I was like, yeah. So anyway, we ended up, you know, working through the whole issue. Uh, The Lord then gave, you know, more time where we ended up working together and, you know, really she was a huge asset. Um, you know, to the work that I was doing there at the hospital. And, you know, I love that story because it shows the power, you know, that the Lord is able to restore if we ask for that restoration and ask for things to be made right. That's good. And and like I said, you know, I, I mean, I see it in the J6 community. I say it all the time. I see it now in the, well, it's not really the truth community anymore. I don't know. You know, everybody's got their own truth. But I think there's only one truth and that's the word of God. But I really think that if we could all, you know, come together and stop the infighting, stop the backbiting, stop the gossiping. I mean, you, you re- heard what I just read you out of the Bible, seven things that God hates. He hates a sower of discord among the brethren. Stop doing it. Because now you're fighting against the, you know, you're fighting against God. It's like Jesus told Paul, why are you kicking against the prick? Why are you kicking against, you know, uh, in essence, why are you kicking against me, you know? And so, uh, you know, Jesse, with that, if you don't mind, uh, would you close us out maybe in a prayer? And I'll let you go. I'll let you go today. Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence, Lord. And we, above all things, we ask for your will in our lives, not our will, but thine be done. Lord, we know that your heart is that there would be a unity of the brethren, that there would be um, a right standing before one another, that there would be um, confession, repentance, forgiveness, and that there would be restoration. And we thank you that you are the God who is able to restore things. 
We thank you that you are able to make things right and provide those opportunities. Lord, we ask that you would deal with um, the things in our lives that are displeasing to you. Uh, We know that none of us are perfect. We know that we all make mistakes. We all fall short. We ask that you would forgive us for those things that you would point out when we are walking in a wrong direction. Um, Point out to us uh, when we offend others or when we do things that are displeasing to you. Um, We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead us and that you would lead us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. We ask this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Jesse, remind everybody where they can find you before uh, we go to them. Yeah, you can find me on kingdomlivingwithjesse.com. And um, all of my weekly shows you can find on there as well as on patreon.com. And uh, I encourage people to look into the conferences uh, beyond the on uh, beyond the El Mastery conference. Um, I'll also have another event coming up in March, which is going to be um, at the end of March uh, with um, Austin. And we're going to be doing a decode of the Capitol and talking about knights and priestesses in the system and how they work and operate uh, within the local community. So I encourage people to watch for um, registration for that event. Awesome. Well, I just want to say one more thing because uh, what we just talked about and what you were praying, it came to me while you were praying. And it's and when I lived in Israel, they even have a song that they sing this, and I'll share it with you guys in Hebrew just because I I do know some Hebrew. But the way it's said in Hebrew is Inematov Uman Naim Shevet Achim Gam Yachat. And that scripture is out of Psalm 1331. And it's behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So I encourage everybody Psalm to Psalm 133. Yeah, Psalm 1331. And I mean, go back to the book of Acts when they were all sitting in the upper room and they were fighting about who's going to be the twelfth disciple. Now that Judas was gone. And then what happened? They became in one accord, and then the Holy Spirit dropped on them. It's the same thing. The Bible says that they were all, they came one. They were all in unity. Something about unity, Jesse, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, uh, God bless you guys. Thank you, Jesse, for coming on again. It was great to have you. And remember, everybody, that the best is yet to come. Uh, Have a great day.